Well, uh, good day and welcome back to Safamoros. Here, I'm going to pull my mic a little bit closer to me because it is 11.30 at night and I live in a house with other people, so I don't want to wake them up. Um, I wanted to start this recording so that I could get my brain into gear about what it is I want to teach on for this upcoming weekend. Um, so there's a author named Richard Foster, who's a, um, ecumenical Quaker, um, who wrote a book, uh, he's actually a, a famous alum of George Fox University, which is where I graduated out, so that's kind of how I know him. He wrote this book called Streams of Living Water. And so when I was first, um, asked to become or to take on the role of youth pastor at the church that I'm currently serving at, um, I started asking myself the question, what is it that brings students or really anybody to church? Um, what is it that they might gain there um, that they couldn't gain in other settings? What is it that they're searching for? And so uh, in college, before I became a youth pastor. Uh, I wrote, I read this book, Streams of Living, Live, of Living Water, um, because he was a, the author was a George Fox alum. We had to read the book uh, in a couple of different classes. It was assigned in a couple different classes, so I think I read it twice actually, um, while during my college career. Um, and then, as I was beginning as a youth pastor, I decided that this book had some captivating ideas, a captivating framework for how to think about the life of a believer and the life of the church, um, the different areas that the church um, is responsible for, and, and what it looks like to be a mature believer. And so as I was thinking about what is it that brings students, um, what is it that brings students to a youth ministry, a youth group? Um, I started thinking in terms of the framework that's offered in, in this book, uh, The Streams of Living Water. Now, the, um, the streams that are mentioned in The Streams of Living Water, um, there's six of them. Um, and the idea is that you can spend time in each of these streams, wading through them. Um, you could say drinking from them, right? Um, kind of playing around in them. Um, but the longer that you spend time in one of them, you have to be careful that you don't spend uh, take away from the time that you could spend in the others. Um, it's dangerous to get siloed in one of these. Um, that, that in the midst of all of them is the, the deepest and most um, balanced form of the Christian life. And so um, the six, as I recall, um, the first is the contemporary, I'm sorry, contemporary, not contemporary, um, the contemplative, sorry, contemplative stream. Um, so the contemplative stream embodies the things like um, deep, intimate prayer um, and the kind of one-on-one -on -one relationship that we seek to have with God, um, where we invite God into our lives in a continual dialogue. Um, so that's, that's the, the contemplative stream. Think like a monk in the desert um, or a spiritual director um, that's that's where they're going to be spending a lot of their time thinking through the ways that we relate to God and and trying to form um, our souls. 
Uh, the second is the evangelical stream. Um, and I, I think I'm getting these out of order, but that's okay. Uh, for, the, for the purposes of this podcast, I'll just list them in the order I have them in my head. Um, the evangelical stream is the second stream, and it has to do with the preaching of the gospel um, and uh, the, the scriptures and kind of the maintaining of the story um, the good news, uh, the, the message of the gospel, um, that, that, that's the, the key to that stream. So the ways that we, um, you could, you could kind of, uh, imagine the scholar, um, uh, the, the doctors of the church, right? So, um, people like the theologians, um, these are the, the folks that tend to be in the evangelical stream. And, um, arguably evangelists as well, um, and the great preachers of our times, um, that they, they exercise a lot of, um, maturity in the evangelical stream, spend a lot of time in it. Uh, the third is the holiness stream, um, which is the stream which is dedicated to, um, stricter and more formal obedience, specifically to God. Um, and forming a relationship with the world in which um, we do not do uh, what the world does. Um, we do not conform ourselves to the patterns of the world, but rather are transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so it's, it's um, I think, in terms of the holiness movements um, uh, within the Wesleyan Church, um, the the holiness movements and, um, and you know, the... the the people that you know in your life who just are like drill sergeants with their spiritual life. They get up at a certain time, they have their morning devotionals, they go to church over and over again and during the week. Um, they have certain principles for how they, they'll tithe and the kinds of movies that they'll allow themselves to watch and all those kinds of little decisions that we make um, towards the world um, and kind of as a way of moving uh, let's say, m- m- uh, living a life that's in distinction from the world. That's that's the holiness stream. Um, and then you've got um, social justice, the social justice stream. And the social justice stream uh, has to do with the way that the, the believer and the church um, at large um, interacts with the world around it, and especially with the poor, the marginalized, the oppressed, the neighbor who's in need. So think the Good Samaritan. The social justice stream is is the ways in which the church acts like a good Samaritan um, to the the man beaten and robbed on the side of the road. So that's that's the kind of um, things. So it, it, think about like the people who are part of parachurch organizations or charities um, that are run out of uh, a benevolence a benevolence ministry in the church. Um, that's that's the social justice stream, um, or quite simply, the person who just can't um, pass by someone on the road without uh, giving them money or taking them to get a meal, or um, uh, or or even maybe taking them into their home. Um, it's that hospitality and that desperate service, um, the the willingness to wash feet, uh, all that kind of stuff. So that's social justice. Um, the fifth is um, the incarnational stream, the incarnational stream. The incarnational stream is the one that, I guess in our Protestant churches, we, we try to cover up the most, um, but it's the place for liturgy. 
Um, it's the place in our churches where we have a calendar um, or set rituals. It's the place for communion and baptism. Um, it is the place where we express ordinances, where we t um, make vows in marriage. Um, it's ceremonial. It has um, a rhythmic property to it. Um, so the, the incarnational stream is all the ways in which the church um, sets up its life um, in rhythms and in regular practices that remind it of who God is um, and put it in the heart of worship. Um, so that's the incarnational stream. Um, and then the final stream uh, is the charismatic stream. Um, so all of the outpourings of the Spirit, the, the, the um, places where the church is empowered in a visible and, um, and mighty way by the Spirit to do the will of the Father. Um, so this could be the more ecstatic things that we see, right? This is, this is the healing ministries or, um, the, the, uh, speaking in tongues, you might say, or, or, um, all of those kinds of things, um, prophecy. Uh, it is also, um, the places in which the spiritual giftings are alive in the church and the, uh, the places where the body is regularly empowered by the spirit to minister to, um, other members of the body. So that's the charismatic stream. So think, um, think in terms of spiritual giftings there. So this is, um, kind of the framework that I've adopted um, for talking about our mission as a youth group, which is to know, obey, and represent Jesus Christ, um, to become young disciples who know, obey, and represent Jesus Christ. And um, from my vantage point, it seemed to me that the first two, um, the contemplative and evangelical streams, or what I call prayer and preaching, um, are are part of both part of how we come to know and keep knowing who God is. So there's the know, right? Know, obey, and represent. There's the know. Um, as far as obedience, I think that the social justice and holiness streams, or what I call sacrifice for holiness and um, service for social social justice, um, th that's where those come in, in mind. It's the places where we, we bend our actions and our decisions and the way that we interact with both God and our neighbor, and even ourselves, um, to come into fuller obedience um, to to the the will of uh, to to the will of God um, to to begin living a kingdom life here, uh, to separate ourselves from sin, and to extend ourselves out towards um, uh, out in love towards the neighbor. Uh, the, and then, f so that's the obey. So no obey represent. So the represent. Um, it's the best word I could come up with, but I, I'm still not quite um, satisfied with it. But to represent um, is to stand um, in the place of, or and, and it almost has a vicarious, um, a vicarious notion in my head. Um, so the streams that I saw as attached to that are the incarnational stream, which is kind of bearing in your body um, and and painting the walls with and um, scattering your calendar with the things that God has done and um, the, the 
great movements of our faith and the stories and the and the important rituals that we we see as Christians, the rhythms um, that we see as important. So, um, and it, oftentimes it has a very communal atmosphere. Um, so the incarnational stream, which I've called memory, it's the ways that we come to remember who God is for us and um, and keep that at the forefront of our minds. Um, and then the other one is the charismatic, which I call ministry. It's the ways that the, the spirit empowers us to, to minister to the body around us. So um, those two uh, are kind of ways which in which we can put on Jesus. The first, um, in the incarnational stream, is, is, the, is kind of um, elevating Jesus in our lives and, and being the, being the worshipers of Jesus, right? We, we look to Jesus and we, um, we, we bear in our own bodies and through our actions and in our rituals, um, the continual reminder of the gospel that he has given us. Um, so that's the incarnational stream or memory. And then ministry, um, it's the it's being Jesus to one another. It's building up the body of Christ um, by being a healer, um, being someone who gives generously, being someone who who pours themselves out for the sake of the church, just like our Lord did. So both of them, in a sense, I think you come to represent who Jesus is. And representation in our stream, right? Because I'm a I'm a Baptist, and in our in our stream of the church, or maybe I shouldn't use that word, in our branch of the church. Um, is symbolic language, right? So, so represent uh, the the communion, the Lord's supper, and um, baptism are representations of the um, of, of the the gospel of Jesus Christ. They are they, they are what proclaim to us through physical form and symbol um, the the inheritance that we've received, the new covenant that we we've received in Christ. So. Um, that's kind of that's kind of the brief on like uh, what on what um, we've been talking about um, and and kind of how I've founded and what or grounded our our, our ministry and so for the fa- past year uh, we've spent five uh, to six weeks in each of the streams, talking them through. What what does it mean to pray? Why do we pray? When do we pray? How do we pray? Um, what story do we tell when we preach? Um, what is the gospel in the simplest terms? Um, uh, you know, what is the flesh? Um, and uh, how do we how do we not bow to it? Um, what is the heart of the flesh? And um, what does this? How does the spirit look different from the flesh? Um, you know, kind of just to paint a couple of the questions. Right, those are the first three streams: um, the, the contemplative, the evangelical, and the holiness stream, or uh, prayer, preaching, and um, sacrifice. But anyways, just just. Um, spend a lot of time talking through each of these streams. And this week, I want to, well, we've really just hit the end of this. So we we just finished the last stream. We finished talking about the last stream. So this this weekend is a unique weekend this year. It's kind of a, a culminating moment. This is finally the last message in our series on the streams, which has gone a full year almost. So it's a really kind of momentous occasion. And so I've been thinking about how I want to finish this um, 
to finish this series. There's an image that I believe Richard Foster uses um, in one of his workbooks, I think, um, in one of the Renovere work, workbooks attached to Streams of Living Water. Um, it, and it, it poses the framework of the six streams in an interesting way. It shows a wheel, um, a wheel like a, like a bike tire. Think like a bike tire, a wheel. Um, and the wheel has um, six spokes that co pr uh, proceed out from the center, um, and the, from the from the center of the the tire. And um, the the image is an interesting illustration. It it basically says for a tire to roll properly it needs to have all of the spokes the same length. Um, if any of the spokes are tighter or looser, longer or shorter than they're supposed to be, um, what will end up happening is it will bend the wheel out of alignment and what you'll have is something that's closer to an oval. And I think that in, uh, in the Christian church, uh, it is very easy for us to get siloed in one of these streams, to make this stream my stream, uh, to perfect my stream, and to make the entirety of the, ch the church's life about this one stream. Um, and really, it's funny, um, you could say that denominations crop up where one of these streams is elevated above the others. You could almost go through and group the denominations by the streams that they feel most comfortable in, which is why I think this is such a compelling and interesting um, approach to church history. Um, so the, the argument that Foster makes is that we have to keep balance in our tire by... Um, by maintaining a balance um, of the time and energy that we spend um, in each of the streams. Now, now one of the streams or, or two of the streams will feel really natural to us. Um, I think it's, it's, it's pretty common for there to be like, I think probably two streams that, that you feel pretty good about. And then two streams that you're, you know, meh, like they're, they're definitely a part of your church's life, but they're not like the most emphasized part. And then two streams that kind of get neglected, um, that get forgotten. Um, and so that's just something, you know, to kind of keep in mind. Um, and I think that that's true of churches. It's also true of each of the individual um, congregants in the churches. So we have the tendency to try to find, you know, on, on average, right? Like there's always a couple of outliers and the outliers are some, some of the best people in the churches, but we will tend to find churches that, that stick with the ones that we're comfortable with um, because we feel like we can naturally fit in there. So um, Foster was advocating for churches to take seriously the streams that they often find themselves neglecting or ignoring and I was reminded of Hebrews chapter 6. I think this is the way I would like to approach it. Um, Hebrews chapter 6. Let me pull it up here on my phone. Um, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 through 3 says, Therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward 
to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts of uh, the, from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, uh, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. And this is, of course, before the um, the the infamous apostasy passage in uh, Hebrews chapter six. Um, but I think that it points us towards something interesting. Um, when we begin our Christian walk, it's a lot of information, a lot of paradigm shifting. It's a lot of trying to get yourself familiar with the world um, that Jesus inhabits, um, looking through the scriptures and hearing the lives of um, uh, the life stories of those in your congregation. Um, you you kind of start getting some bearings on on what it would mean to live in this kingdom life. Um, I think that's the beginning, and then there comes a time where briefing people on all these things, right, on the laying uh, laying on basically laying this foundation that as as the author of Hebrews says um, of repentance from acts that lead to death and faith in God and instruction about cleansing rites and laying on of hands and resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, right? All of the kind of big pivotal boulders in the um, in the beginnings of our learning about the Christian life. Uh, you could say after catechesis, like after we've been catechized, after we've gone through and learned the basics of the faith, the elementary things as he calls them, uh, the elementary teachings about Christ. Um, there's a call to move forward, uh, to move beyond those teachings and to be taken forward into maturity. And I think that if we were to ask ourselves, well, what would it look like for us to live maturely? Um, what would it look like for us to um, be established uh, in maturity, um, in uh, full development, right? Um, what would it look for us to be ripe as Christians um, and uh, not still green? Um, I think that something like Foster's vision would be our answer. Uh, it takes from you could say, all of the little teachings of Jesus. Um, it takes from the examples that we see in Paul's ministry and Peter's ministry and the teachings that they give us and the other apostles whose epistles that we've collected. It takes from all of those teachings and tries to boil them down into something um, that is manageable, uh, at least in our mind, right? There's so many different teachings, but I think broadly, all of them will fall within one of those six streams, which is one of the reasons I really like this paradigm. I haven't been able to break it yet. I've, I've been thinking about it a lot um, for the past couple of years, and I just haven't been able to break it. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's it's worth maintaining. So what would it look like for us to, to, to um, walk in maturity? Well, I think it would be um, first and foremost, being, like Paul says, ceaseless in prayer, um, continually inviting God as the strong and loving one um, that, that is pursuing us and, and that, that we depend upon, right? The, the strong and loving God to provide for us. Um, that, that deep contemplative life where you learn a, a deep, you know, that, 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 um, that cavernous inner dependence, um, 
so so there's your prayer right there's your contemplative and um and then i think it would look like um being comfortable or even even if not comfortable being uh committed to sharing your story telling your story and telling jesus's story sharing the gospel with those who have not yet heard it um or who might have which is much more the case in our um current society uh who just have misgivings about it and have misunderstandings about what the gospel really is. Um, it's it's being, uh, let's say, it's it's being mindful of of the story and keeping your eye on it and and um, spending lots of time refining the story and adding pieces to the story and and you know like that's theology is is refining the way that we view our god and what he's done for us the story right the character the plot um the the ending the the final resolution right um so there's your preaching um it would look like uh a a militaristic um approach to to obedience right this 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 very very um strong commitment uh, to self-discipline and self-control and um, exercising the fruits of the Spirit in that sense, uh, fleeing from what is evil, fleeing from sin, um, uh, battling our selfish nature, right? That, that would be a, a major part of it. Um, there's your sacrifice, there's your, um, your, your holiness stream, um, and then um, it would look like pouring yourself out for the sake of others. It would look like um, keeping an eye out for um, those who are poor or disadvantaged or who are ignored and neglected, um, for those who are out on the outskirts, uh, who who are maybe have no other place, who don't belong anywhere else, um, like the Good Samaritan would. This is um, this is service, right? This is the the love of your neighbor and and the willingness to be a servant, right? To to aim your life and the purpose for why you live towards your neighbor, um, the good of your neighbor. So there's service, the stream of service for you, and then you have uh, the the impetus to to form gatherings where people are encouraged by one another and. Um, the scriptures are read aloud together, and um, holidays are celebrated together, and um, things are commemorated and remembered, and rhythms are set, and disciplines are set, um, and routines are set, and calendars are set, um, so that there is a mutual encouragement and reminding of, of the promise, so that we don't fall astray, so that we don't forget, um, and, and so that we can as the author of Hebrews would say, um, we can enter into God's rest. Um, so there's, there's your memory stream, right? The, the, the desire to, um, to, to build infrastructure around our worship. Um, and then, um, finally, it would look like, um, being married to the church, um, and not just the form of the church, right? That's more the the memory side, the the systems, the structures that you we put in place in order to to remember what God has done for us and who He is. Um, but more the living, breathing side of it, um, the the body itself. Um, it's it's being married to 
uh, and, and united to the, uh, the members of the body as we see them, uh, and, and filling in where other people's weaknesses are and allowing other people to give, um, give us their hand when we are weak. Um, it's, it's a, uh, creating a place where people are interdependent on one another, um, where a family can truly thrive and where, um, the spirit of Jesus directs us towards one another in unity and in love and in service and, um, utilizing the spiritual gifts that we've been given. And, and there's your ministry stream right there, the, the charismatic stream. Um, so I think maybe the place that I want to go with my message then is, so it's Hebrews 6 that I want to kind of use, um, or a passage similar to it that, that encourages um, believers towards maturity. Um, I think I want to encourage them to not neglect their maturing. I want to put in their brain that the church is not just a place to go receive a lecture. It's not um, a place that I can go occasionally when I need to fix my relationship with God. It's, it's not just a, a place to go for free bread um, or, or to feel like I have some purpose in my life. It's not just a place in, in youth group terms to just go and play games, right? Um, that this is that that our that our deep core is to know, to come to know, to come to be more obedient, and to come to represent who Jesus is and what He says to do. And that the life that we all wish we could have the life that we pine for um, and that always seems out of grasp, that deep contentment, that purpose and, and mission, um, that, that drive, uh, the, that fearlessness or the thing that gives us courage, it all comes from maturing into this um, imitation, you could say, of Christ's life. Um, I think... I think that's probably where I'll go with it. And and kind of maybe the question a little bit of what it means for the life of Jesus, who is the true human. Um, what, did it, what it means for the life of Jesus to be, you could say, burning in us. That the life of Jesus is sprouting um, like the seed that, that, um, that is planted in us. That there's, there's this seed that's, that's slowly growing in us and it will take our entire lives um, it will take our entire lives for it to grow and then some um, in the in the words of I think it's in first Corinthians 15 um, we have to be buried in order for uh, the, that seed to come fully alive to break out of its shell right um, but Regardless, um, I want the kids to walk away with the notion that the Christian life is multifaceted, is multifaceted, that it's broad, 
that it spans many, many areas of our lives. That there's a lot of things to keep in mind, to keep in check. And, and they probably fit within the six streams, but there's a lot there. And um, on the one hand, I think it's the law, right? It's the, it's the, it's the command to continue in that maturity, to move past the elementary things, to move past, um, to, to, or to, to um, hasten through uh, our learnings of the, of the elementary things in order that we might dive deeper um, and, and go further into what looks like maturity, um, that we might finally um, consume meat rather than than milk, right? But I think on the other side, right? So that's the law is the strive, right? Strive to 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 imitate Christ and to um, to bring him to term, you could say, in you. Um, but I also think that there's the gospel that he who started the good work in you will bring it to completion. Um, that that the seed is planted. Um, and that you will be, if you are, if you're a healthy plant, you know, you will see over the course of your life that each of these streams will call out to you. There will be seasons in your life where you will find, um, more and more interest in, in exploring these different areas. I know for me, it's changed over, um over the years, and I, I think that I've always had certain propensities, right, or proclivities. I've had certain streams that feel more um, homey to me, um, but I also think that recently I've come to see the merit in the other streams and and um, have come to appreciate them in a way that I probably hadn't or even might have find them as, found them as, as the enemy before. It's it's funny how we can echo chamber ourselves in that way. So so I think that's I think that's what I want to do. And and I think for illustrations, um, I think maybe I'll use the illustration just for fun of when I was a, a baby, um, not not quite a baby. I think I was probably like one or two. It was um, it was a little bit after I had finished breastfeeding, um, I, I believe my, my parents tried to get me to eat, and I just, I couldn't, I couldn't eat, um, I was, I would throw everything up, like, all, all the time, like, everything I ate, I would throw up, um, and the doctors were getting really concerned about me, because I came out premature, um, a little bit premature, and I was always a pretty scrawny baby, um, and even now I'm pretty scrawny and, and small. Um, so I think they were they were concerned for me, and they became increasingly concerned because I couldn't keep anything down. And eventually, uh, I mean, like I think my mom told me that they were like they were about to test me for like fibromyalgia, like these crazy you know crazy disorders. Um, they were really concerned, and they finally got to the point where they were like, well, let's try one other, just before we go there, let's try one thing. And they tested me, and, and they found out that I was lactose intolerant. Um, and so they switched me to, um, like, a different kind of formula, I think, um, dairy-free formula. And I was fine. <laughs> I could ingest everything. Um, 
but but all that to say before they found that out i was growing scrawny and i was shriveling up and i think a lot of believers are scrawny and they will shrivel up and the good news is that we have a good father um who is who who is looking out for our well-being in that way but there are times in our lives where we will reject the good food the pure food the 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 meat right um and we will we will crave the milk especially in those transition periods from the milk to the meat um from from the milk to the solid food as as um scriptures say so um i think that but none none of us here would say it's healthy to remain just drinking milk all day long um so that's uh i think that's the kind of the the vision i want to cast for them so i hope you enjoyed this episode um maybe you found it interesting or or helpful um i highly recommend reading streams of living streams of living water um foster is deeply steeped in church history and has a masterful um grasp of of that history and all the nuances and and the figures there involved and so um if you like that kind of thing and you want a really cool paradigm for how to see um church history i highly recommend streams of living water by richard foster um but anyways um if you have any comments or questions or responses to this episode you can email uh email me at uh, sophomorosofficial at gmail.com, S-O-P-H-O-M-O-R-O-S, official, O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L, I think I spelled that right, and then at gmail.com, so sophomorosofficial uh, at gmail.com, we'd love to hear from you, and um, as always, may Christ be exalted.